This is The Widow Podcast and I am Karen Sutton, The Widow Coach. I'll be supporting you through the loss of your life partner so you can find a more positive way through your grief. I want to give you hope after loss and to know that when you are ready, you can create a meaningful life for yourself with the help of me, Karen Sutton and The Widow Podcast. Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Widow Podcast. Today I have the lovely Carolyn Gould with me. Carolyn is a widow herself, a mum, and she has also written a widow's walk. For those of you watching on YouTube, you'll be able to see here. It's a journal for widows, a self-compassion journal to guide you through grief. And I have to say, it's absolutely brilliant to help you explore areas of your grief and write things down, because not all of us are able to or comfortable with talking about our feelings and and what comes up for us in widowhood but we'll go into that a little bit more in a bit but welcome Carolyn thank you so much for coming on I know this isn't this isn't something that you're particularly comfortable doing but you're here so welcome thank you for having me (laughs) oh bless you I know we were just chatting weren't we in in the free chat and I was like you okay she (laughs) Carolyn was like oh this is just a little bit (laughs) out of my comfort zone um just finds it so much easier to to write than to talk which I'm sure is you know the same for for many people listening today so do you want to start um with with a bit about your story um your your husband Dave and you know how you came to be in the 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 club of widowhood yes absolutely um well Dave had a car accident uh back in 2018 um which left him with a lot well serious brain injuries um, and he had six months in the hospital, but unfortunately um, didn't didn't obviously survive. So here I am now in the position I'm in as a widow. That must have been a really really difficult six months when Dave was yeah. was in was he he was in hospital for the whole of the six months was he? Yes, yeah, he was. Well, there was three different hospitals involved, but two of which were in London. So that meant you know travelling every day, which is two hour journey each day to see him. And yeah, so. Not easy, um, but yeah, got through it somehow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because you, you have a, a son as well, don't you, who was 10 yeah. at the time. Did did he yeah. go with you um, on your trips to the, obviously not every day, I'm assuming, but regularly? No, he, I sort of let him decide of, of when he felt he wanted to come. Um, and he did a few times, which I think was as good in, as it turned out, um, because he got to see his dad. Not necessarily a good thing as seeing him the way he was, um, but at least he was able to have that choice to to come or not. So yeah, he did come up a few times. And were you able to communicate with with Dave in in that six month? Uh, no, he couldn't actually speak. Um, but I kind of had a bit of a connection, you know, connection with him, and I just felt that he was aware, um, but just he couldn't talk. Um, so again, that made it tricky because we weren't able to have you know conversations about what he wanted or or anything really so that yeah that Mm. added to the you know the difficulty of it and and had you had any of those conversations before the car accident had you ever talked about what would happen if if anything happened to either of you um not really the only thing he did used to talk about was where he wanted to be buried Mm. um (laughs) so that was something i did know other than that um not really it wasn't 
and don't expect it, do you? I suppose we all no. get on and live in our lives and don't think about what could happen at any point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what did you do then um, when Dave did die? What what did you kind of draw on for support in, in, that, in those early sort of days after he died? Um, well, I think I didn't. And I think that was a bit of a problem. Mm. I was focusing on Charlie, you know, my son, and that was my what kept me going basically is, is worrying about him making sure that he was okay so I kind of I did, yeah I guess I ignored myself um which you know didn't end too well so I had to seek some help um so yeah I, I didn't but something I wish I you know should have done differently but I suppose you just go with what you whatever you feel like you need to on the, at the time don't you because facing up to it is extremely difficult so I think in the early days, you just do whatever you can to get through the days, really, don't you? Absolutely. Blur, really. <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you have family nearby? Yeah, I've got my mum. So I'm close with my mum. I've got um, the rest of the family and my good friends. So the support's there. But if you don't tell them what's actually going on, they can't really sort of do anything to help you. So do you yeah. think you almost drew back from them a little bit? Probably, yeah. Mm. Like I said, I'm a bit of an introvert, so I would sort of just, yeah, stay, go for a walk or just stay at home or, yeah. Rather, yeah. if I was having, especially on, the, you know, days where I was feeling really low, it was, it's easier to just avoid. <laughs> You've always stay. been like that in life? Um, Probably, yeah. I've always been quite quiet, really um keep myself to myself and yeah I suppose it's to do with not just sort of getting talking and like doing this mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't think it's not something that comes easy to me it, you know so yeah no I get it it doesn't it doesn't for a lot of people so you say you it kind of got to a point where things got so difficult you had to get some help what did that help look like for you um well I sort of, I knew that I was not doing great so I just made a call to the doctors to see if there's anything they could suggest um, and actually uh, referred me to Health in Mind um, mm -hmm. so that they then called and did an assessment and it, you know they decided that it was PTSD which to me was a bit seemed a bit over the top but um, that's what they said it was so I started therapy so sort of CBT um, mm -hmm. therapy which at first, I was like, oh, I don't know if this is helping. And it was hard because they make you face everything. <laughs> so it's, it's draining, very draining because, of you know, you're getting a lot of emotion out. And But I stuck with it and I think it did. It was helpful, you know, the tools they give you. And so I think it was definitely worth the right choice to step up mm. and go, Why well, I need some help. <laughs> How did you sort of feel you know, with CBT, obviously that involves you opening up and, and talking a little bit, which isn't something that comes easily to you. Mm -hmm. How did you sort of navigate that and, and find your way to be able to, to speak a bit more openly with somebody? Um, it wasn't easy. Mm. It, was, well, it was very tricky just to face up to the, the you know, the rawness of it all, isn't it? It's... Mm -hmm you've got to deal with it somehow and the only way to do that is to to face it head on really isn't it mm. um 
yeah, it wasn't easy. Um, but she was actually a great the lady that was talking to me and very understanding, I think, which helps. Um, yeah, but yeah, I'd say it probably took a bit longer than it could have done, but, you know, I would hold back a little on some sort of stuff, but eventually it's like, no, <laughs> this has got to be done. And And has that given you a little bit more confidence opening up to those around you now, to friends and family now, or do you, do you still find it incredibly hard? Yeah, to a degree. Um, again, I just don't, I don't go, you know, say, hi, I'm having a really crappy day today. I just say hi and carry on, you know, as, as, as normal, really. I, it's not something I openly would say if I'm having a bad day. They might be able to tell if I get a bit, you know, emotional or, quieter um but other than that yeah I, I still I still don't really open up about it I guess <laughs> so what helps you then Caroline what are your kind of tools strategies um for releasing what's within because you know I talk a lot about finding a healthy release for our grief you know mentally physically emotionally and for a lot of people that is that is talking isn't it you know it's holding yeah. space for somebody and listening to them listening without judgment listening without trying to solve problems um yeah. but obviously if somebody isn't comfortable talking or, or doesn't find it as easy to open up what's helpful to you what do you kind of lean on to support you um well writing um because i'm still able to get out the emotions just by writing it out mm. um, and I can write whatever I want, <laughs> you know, use any language I like, you know, just whatever it, I want to write, I can write because there's no one's ever going to see it unless I, you know, I'll go, well, there you go, you can read that, that's how I feel. Um, <laughs> but it just, yeah, it's a way of getting the emotions out but not having to necessarily to speak them um, because, like I say, I, I end up holding back on some of it because it's, it's still painful or difficult. But writing, you can just, you're free, you can write whatever you want mm. and it helps and it has helped me. I didn't necessarily realise the impact it was having at the time when I started just odd little things, you know, and sometimes I write something and I just burn it. Yeah. Like if I write a letter to Dave, say, because that was one of the things that the CBT lady said to me, she said, have you, do you feel you were able to say goodbye? And I said, well, I guess not really. Um, so she suggested writing it and I suppose that's kind of what kicked it off a bit mm. so I could write that letter and then I thought well no one need, you know I'm not going to show it to anyone so I thought well if I burn it I'm sending it today yeah. <laughs> in yeah. my weird ways but yeah isn't do you know what it's something I, I talk about in my program with people actually um in, in finding hope and widowhood because you know not everybody did get to say goodbye not everybody got to say no. the things they they wanted to say or feel they should have said and and it's really hard, isn't it? Because you're then carrying that around. And I think to, yeah. to write it down in a letter to your person and, and then, you know, have a little ceremony, have, have burn it, throw it in the fire. Yeah. Like you say, you're, you're sending it out into the universe in, to, to wherever yeah. you want it to go. And I think it, it can be a really wonderful thing to do, actually, really cathartic. Yeah, um, definitely. Helps you sort of get out what's within because... yeah. You know, it's very true, isn't it? It's it's not what we let out that causes us harm. It's what we keep in. It's what we hold on yeah. to. Um, yeah. We tie ourselves up in knots with our thoughts and our beliefs. And, you know, if yeah. we keep hold of them, 
we're holding ourselves in a, in a place of discomfort. So to find that release. So do you still write letters to, to Dave? Yeah, I do actually. It's um, like I say, some just not all the time. It's not something I sit and religiously do every day, but every now and then I think, oh, you know, just say something or if I, maybe I'm feeling a little annoyed or whatever it is, I can write it, you know, if someone's yeah. feed milk or, yeah. you know, you can just write about it and it, like I say, no one's no one knows what you're doing, but you're getting all that emotion out rather yeah. than letting manifest in within, which mm. causes more problems. You know, it might not be immediate, but down the line, mm. you know, it doesn't it doesn't go away. It mm. will stay there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and get it out. But yeah, so you know, like talking, like you you do with your podcasts, and but you know, again, writing is another mm. good positive thing to do I, I feel um do you do you judge yourself sometimes you know when you're writing is it is it a completely safe space for you do you do you allow yourself to to write and think and feel everything um without yeah. judging it I would say that probably took me a little while actually um because sometimes what you think and you're thinking oh that's that's not good or so you, yeah so I've learned to just not judge it just to let it whatever I is coming out just to write it and let it go and not just no judgment it doesn't yeah. doesn't matter you know yeah. like I said again who's going to see it it's yeah. helping me personally which is an important thing I need to do yeah. um so yeah I think yeah it that can take a little while I think to not be judgmental of what you've put um but it's yeah with time that gets easier it's it's learning to allow what is to be, isn't it? Without sort of framing anything as good or bad, right or wrong, positive or negative. Yeah. Like yeah. everything just is. All our all our feelings, our emotions, our thoughts—they're all valid. Um, yeah, they're really. all a part of our of our grieving process. And you know, again, it's it's learning to let go of of that judgment, that criticism, feeling that you're, yeah. you're doing it wrong, or you're a bad person, or you know, all these kind well, of who, yeah. Who's to say it's wrong? That's just someone else's opinion. Yeah. If it's right for you, then that's that's what's important, isn't it? It's, yeah. yeah. I was. We I think you were there, weren't you, last night when I was talking? I did my live at five in the yeah. Widowed and Rising group, and and one lady said, I think she was a about 20 months in and one of her friends had said to her that you know she needs to move on because she's talking too much about her person and you know it's like it's it's a it's a it's an opinion it's you know yeah. and it's quite a common opinion for people yeah. to think that you know if somebody's talking about their loved one a while after they've gone that's that's not healthy that's not a, a good viewpoint yeah. <laughs> um and it, it's it just it's quite surprising well it's not surprising really actually because it happens so much and and I think yeah if I'm honest, before Simon had died, I probably was that person as well that thought, oh, you shouldn't be talking about that. Stop talking about it. They're dead. Like. That's, that's exactly the point, though, isn't it? Until you're in that position or you go through it yourself, you can't fully understand it, can you? So, no, no. like you say, we all have an opinion on it. Yeah. But now knowing <laughs> how hideous it is, yeah. Yeah. we know that. You know, and we're all in the same boat, but everyone is still deals with it differently, don't they? So yeah, yeah, you can't, we can't judge. You can't what's right for you isn't right for someone else, and that's that's just how it is. Yeah, hundred percent. Do you talk about Dave a lot, or do you find that hard to do as well? 
No, I can talk about him, you know, and like with my son, we talk about him quite a lot, all the silly things that they used to get up to. And um, so, yeah, it's nice. I, I don't want to not talk about him mm-hmm. because, you know, and he was such a big character that, you know, a lot of people thought a lot of him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, no, it's not it's not something I do probably massively, but, I st- yeah, I still talk about him because it's he was a big part of my life. Absolutely. You, know, you can't just suddenly not talk about him because he's not there. And how does it impact your relationship with, with friends and family, the fact that, I mean, obviously you've always been a bit like it. You, you're not somebody that's obviously talked very, you know, maybe openly all your life. So I guess there's an element where people know that about you and 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 that's okay. Do you think it's impacted how they've been with you through your grief and the connections that you've had whilst grieving? Um, possibly. They may have not, you know, may have felt that they can't maybe ask or cry too much. But, um, yeah, I don't know, actually, whether that's – I don't know. <laughs> Do you feel connected to people? Yeah, the people that, have, you know, that I'm mean a lot to me, yes. Um, it's it's tricky actually because it it make, it's worse difficult isn't it because not only are you dealing with the grief you've got to deal with people and how they are and how they treat you and some people just don't know how to talk to you or bring up subjects so they just avoid you altogether. <laughs> Others, it I don't know, it's just grief is so um, still so taboo isn't it? People do really struggle to talk about it and I know I'm <laughs> one of those but not in the way that. I don't want people to ever ask me about it or have an understanding, but yeah, just a very difficult subject for a lot of people, isn't it? It is. It's, it, you know, it's complex, it's messy, it's uncomfortable, it's scary. It, I, you know, I've said it before, you know, I work in Greek. This is what I do. It, it, it's yeah. my area of, of kind of expertise is specialised in, but it's something I'm very comfortable talking about. It's something I understand a lot about. However, there are times when I have spoken to people and I simply haven't had the words and (laughs) I haven't known what to say because I was so scared of saying the wrong thing. And and it's it's real. It's real because you you know someone's hurting, you know they're going through hell and you don't want to say or do anything that's going to compound that in any way whatsoever. And we all say clumsy things. We all all say things that, you know, on on one day actually could be a a compliment and be received quite well and on, on another day you know, will not be received well at all. It yeah. actually is <laughs> really great somebody. But I think, you know, we have to let go of the expectation that we're going to get it right all the time. And I think yeah. we as the supporter, but also we as the griever, have to understand that you're going to get it wrong. You're going to say something that's going to upset somebody. Yeah. But say the thing and you'll know by the reaction you get how it's landed yeah. and, you, and you just own it and go, I'm really sorry. I know, I know that's not what you want yeah. to hear. Do, and, and letting go of this idea of perfectionism, of always getting it right, of having all the answers, yeah. of knowing the right thing. And Yeah. Well, you, you can't, can you? Because like we've just said, everybody deals and handles with it differently. Yeah, you know? they really do. And yeah. I think the older generation especially, it was never spoken about, was it, at all? Never. So to them, it's like... 
strange that we want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's weird. I think they're like that with a lot of subjects, aren't they, actually? Yeah. Um, so in terms of you, you've obviously got your way personally, internally of, of releasing what you're thinking, what you're feeling with the writing. Yeah. What's helpful to you being an introvert, being somebody who doesn't maybe want to sit down and, and, you know, pour their heart out to somebody. What has been helpful to you? from your friends and family and loved ones throughout this process? What things have people done that have felt supportive and kind, acknowledging that you don't want to sit and talk about it? Well, I think just knowing, probably the ones that know me better and just let me either talk, you know, say something or not, you know, there's no pressure there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, you know, I know that they're supporting me. And if I wanted to talk to them, I can. Um, but just just the fact that they're there helping me and sort of supporting me in ways that I need. Mm. But there's no pressure. Yeah. You know, yeah. There isn't, they're not trying to force me to, to talk and, you know, and say, well, you, you should talk, you should do this, you should do that. Um, so I think that, yeah, it's just giving me that freedom to, to be how I want to be. And, you know, not every day I want to keep talking about it I just yeah. want to you know, just live my life and do what I'm doing that day yeah I think yeah, yeah that's the main thing there's just no pressure yeah yeah accepting you for who you are and how you want to grieve and and, and not yeah. thinking that yeah. you know there's a there's another way there's the way you should be doing it and, and they're trying to get you to, to do it the way they think that you should do it yeah exactly yeah yeah it's yeah like say you know we all deal with it our own way and mm. Doesn't mean it's right or it's wrong. It's just how we need to deal with it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Supportive friends, you know, I think, yeah, they know who they are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So tell me, how how did A Widow's Walk come about? What sort of prompted you to to write this journal for, for other widows? Um, well, I, I walk a lot. So that sort of gives you, again, it's another release and a bit of freedom to give your brain a break and just enjoy your surroundings. But um, it was a niggle really that sort of started of, of wanting to help other widows, feeling that there's not a great deal of support and probably more for the people like me that are quieter and don't necessarily want to sit and chat about it in a group and all of that. Um, and it just wouldn't go away. <laughs> so mm. it just was there and it was like, and it was just quite strange. I knew it wasn't going to be a, a book and I knew mm. it wouldn't be a, just a journal, that it would be a conversation. So I kind of knew exactly what I wanted to create. Um, so I just kind of started making notes, really, and made a start on it and just thought, well, let me just, you know. So I you know, had bits of paper here, there and everywhere, <laughs> different things I wanted in it and just started bringing it together. With And then I contacted a lady who helped me get it to the point it is now you know made and done um so I had a little bit of support there of, and guidance of how to sort of get it on um but obviously all the words and everything is all mine and how I'll d- design and everything the front cover actually my son took the photo so that's nice as well that he's a part of it as well it is um, it's, a, it's a lovely picture yeah so it, it yeah it just started like that really just making notes and just made a start and there was a lot of self-doubt involved of, oh, you know, who's going to want to hear this or my story and all, you know, 
all the negative self-talk that we do. Um, but the main driving force was that I wanted to help others. So that override, overrode the silliness mm. <laughs> that mm. I was thinking. Yeah. And I just thought if I can just help one person, then that would make me happy. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I bet you've helped more than one person, haven't you, with it? Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. It's nice, actually. And, you know, I, the feedback has been really great. You know, mm. unexpectedly, really, because I wasn't expecting any, I don't know, I don't know, I didn't really have any expectations, I guess. Um, yeah. Just wanted to help. Yeah. I think what's was- really lovely about it is it, it kind of, it covers all areas, doesn't it? it you know, it's yeah. very much a, a space to talk about how you're feeling, but also you know, helping people, you know, are they reaching out for help? Are they taking time for themselves? How could they make improvements, you know, with what they're eating, even sleep, getting outside, taking a few breaths, going for a walk, you know, just making those better choices because we do have choices, you know, and and I love this. What makes you smile? Do more of it. And because, you know, we, there's a lot of, of guilt attached to to finding joy and you know I did a, a yeah. podcast about this yeah. a couple of weeks ago um you, you know that the kind of meaning that we we place on this but it's also very encouraging and supportive of, of people and you know you've got pages of, of information in there sort of explaining what helps why it helps but then asking the reader to personalize it to them you, you know yeah. what can you yeah. do um, what choices can you make? How can you heal? Because it is a choice, I think. It yeah. is a choice. It's not an easy choice. It's not an easy process. No. Um, but I think we're very aligned in in believing that our healing is our responsibility. And, yeah, and really. we have to figure out what works for us and how we bring more of that into our lives so that we can create something that can feel good again after yeah. our person has died that's not easy though is it sort of no and it, it takes time doesn't it I mean in the early days you can't even think about anything other than god you know how am I going to get through this mm-hmm. um but uh, you know the, the old saying time's a healer um I don't know it's a healer but you learn strategies you learn coping mechanisms and with the journal I wanted it just to be gentle but in a sort of a bit of a nudging yeah. guidance way just to sort of help people just yeah like I say get their that. feelings out yeah, yeah. We, we do need that because you know to, that, that it, they do say time's a healer um I think it's more what you do with that time that you yeah. have yeah. really yeah. and what I think is wonderful about this this journal this guide is that it helps you think about what you want to do with the time that you are are, are trying to navigate your way through because it passes it does pass um we don't always want it to um but it does and it's like what what are you going to do with the time that's passing what choices are you going to make and and how can you just very like you say very gently small things to to think about but what can you do to to support yourself through through your your grief your your days your moments um and just having that that safe space I suppose to to write things down because not all of us know what to write when it comes to journaling and writing things down so having no, the prompts it. is brilliant yeah. 
does help, yeah. And it, it's still strange to me the, the how the writing's come about because I've never seen myself as someone that writes. So yeah. it's it's quite strange, but it's yeah, it seems to be a, becoming a thing. So um, I'm just going with it. <laughs> so you've got you've got another project underway at the moment, haven't you? What what's that one? Yeah, it's sort of based around walking and well-being, and again how walking has helped me um, a lot, um, as well as the writing. And then I like taking photos, so I've got incorporating all of that. So yeah, I've just got to uh, sit down and get that one finished. <laughs> some of your photos, oh, yeah. yeah, some of your photos are amazing. They they really are. You know, I've just been like, wow, because you live in a where do you live? You live in a beautiful part of the country. It's yeah, Rye in East Sussex. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's lovely. I just again, it's just something I like to do, and I take pictures of what I like. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know if other people always like them, but um, it. I just things that distraction, but not a distraction in a way that I'm ignoring what's going. I'm. It's a, gives me a, just a, a break. I think that's what it is. More, it's a break from. You know, my I'm I'm a constant thinker, so my brain is constantly on. Mm. on the go so it can be you know it gets a bit tiring doesn't it um it, it does and I, and, and I think we all need a distraction you know but a healthy one they're not always healthy yeah. some of my distractions were <laughs> drinking and dating and partying and they didn't yeah. serve me so well but they got me to where I needed to get to um exactly. so I could yeah. find that more healthier dis- distractions that you know again it's, it's nothing's right or wrong is it but I think no. you know our, our brain does need a break from it yeah. all because it is just constantly whirring around it's absolutely exhausting we're often going around in circles we can't find the answers yeah. and and being creative is a really wonderful way of of turning off your thinking brain isn't it and and giving it some respite and focusing yeah. on something creative and and taking photos you know just what a wonderful thing to do and, and to be able to reflect back on as well yeah. and, and be able to use. but it's kind of a journal in a way for me with the yeah. No walk. If I go out for a walk, I don't, I don't take a notebook and pen with me. But it, taking the photos is like creating a, a visual journal, I guess. Yeah. Um, but then also walking helps to with the writing because yeah. it's it gives you that freedom to just yeah, yeah get a bit more um, creative. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it all uh, it all works together. So how do people go about getting a, a copy of this, Carolyn? How do they get the a widow's walk? Um, they can get one from directly from myself um, via email or um, my Instagram, um, and I'd send them with a nice little package of some extra little goodies, um, or it's available on Amazon. Brilliant. But better get it through you. Much better. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. I'll, I'll pop the links in in the show notes so so people Excellent. can Thank can you. can reach out to you um, if if they want to get themselves a copy, which I, I highly recommend. It really Thank is a, a wonderful journal. It's a wonderful gift. Or if you know someone that's widowed, maybe a, you know a gift to them to to help them through it, to help them navigate their their way. That's what it. what kind of words of of wisdom, I suppose, Carolyn, would you give to somebody who maybe, like you, finds it difficult to to talk, is more of an introvert than an, an extrovert, um, but but feels that they have so much that that they want to 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 let out? What would you say to that person? Well, I think you've got to find what works for you. Um, 
definitely writing I would say is, is a good start whether if you don't like it you know you can always try it but I just think it gives you that freedom and you haven't got to talk you just write whatever you feel and I think that's a, a massive help it's been a massive help for me um but yeah getting out in nature and just finding what works for you mm. you know it, it could be anything it's, it could be a sewing class it could you know just whatever it is that mm. gives you what you need then you've got to stick uh, with that and it is sometimes it is trying new things isn't it you, you know yeah, I think we, we're kind of thrown into this world of widowhood and we don't know what we want and and what we maybe are used to or things that we've previously done don't work the same way for us anymore they don't feel that the same way and and sometimes we have got to to sort of you know pull up our big girl pants as it were and 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 go right I'm (laughs) going to try something different and I'm going to commit to it because you know maybe you'll think about journaling and by the way I think journaling works really well for extroverts as well I've had many people in in my program (laughs) that have have taken up journaling and but they find it very easy to talk about it as well but it's been very beneficial to them but yeah. you know almost committing to right I'm going to I'm going to try it for a week or two weeks I'm going to just yeah, five it. minutes a day or, or 15 minutes every other day and and commit to it to do it for a, a period of time before you kind of make a decision as to to how it feels yeah it might um, not be right for everyone yeah um, but on journaling this seems to be quite a big big thing now yeah it um, is for, yeah. various different people yeah, yeah. yeah. it does and and like you say <laughs> that's it um and it, it's just trying something new isn't it like you say a, a sewing club a walking club a photography club and you yeah. know pottery yeah. making just yeah. anything that that gets you out and, and trying something new and and just focusing on on something depending on where you are in, in your journey obviously but yeah I think mm. meeting new people as well. If you're going out doing these little clubs, even though as an introvert, I still, you know, I've been to a pottery class myself, and I, you know, I didn't know anyone there. I've just, I think you, you grow with confidence because you've got no other option. You can't be have someone with you to take you and hold your hand. You just got to do these yeah. things, and then it, you end up realizing, oh, it's not actually as bad as you as you thought. Like doing this, it's not as bad as I thought it was yeah. going to be. <laughs> That's it. And, and you know, like, I just really, I, I personally think you do have another option. You don't go, you don't do the thing. You, yeah, you, you stay it. in your comfort zone. Um, yeah. But actually, that keeps you small almost. And then you're not able to, to grow around your grief and you're not able to see what you're capable of. And you, yeah. you don't reveal those parts of you that you didn't know existed. You know, the parts yeah. that you go, I can do it. I can do it. And it's not as bad as I thought, actually. And and I'm and that builds your confidence and your self-esteem and that, yeah. that belief, that that inner faith that we need to go, I can do this. I can. It's not easy. Yeah. But I, I'm figuring it out and I'm finding my way and I'm stepping out of my comfort zone. And and I think, you know, we don't have to do that. We we can stay no. in our comfort zone, but I, I don't know personally how beneficial that is in, in our grieving journey. But again, no. I think right in the beginning obviously we're thrown into this situation that yeah. we haven't asked for no. we haven't got a clue what is going on or what we've got to do but there's a lot of stuff you have to sort out yeah and only you can do it so yeah. Yeah. you don't get really get a choice in it and I think that's probably yeah part of it that helps is that you've got to do certain things that you you don't have a choice you have to yeah. do it yeah so you, then uh, you sort of look at what you've achieved and what you have done and slowly you start thinking 
well, hang on, there's mm. actually, I've done a lot more than what I realised. Yeah. So, and then if you keep that momentum going, yeah, then that helps. It's a really good point. It's a really good point because I think sometimes, because we have to do it, because we, yeah. we have to, to go to the person's funeral because we have to go and, and sort out the will and, and, and close the bank account and do all, you know, you have to do those things. You don't want to, they're not yeah. easy things to do, but if you can create that awareness around the facts, do you know what? I did that thing. I did it. And it was the hardest thing actually that I've ever had to do, but I did do it yeah. and I survived. Um, it helps you recognize actually that you really can do some really, really very hard things. Um, yeah. And I think it's looking back, not looking back in a way that, or, you know, looking back in, on life, but looking back on what you've achieved. Mm. Because if otherwise, if you just carry on each day and you're not actually acknowledging all of that, and then you don't realize, mm. I think it has a bit, it does have an impact, I think, on yeah. a bit of a realization that, oh, hang on, these, these are all. I've done a lot of things actually. <laughs> so yeah, I, I love that. I love that acknowledgement because you know, so many people say to me in in my program and and my membership and stuff. You know, like I'm no good at making decisions. I can't make decisions. But when you sit down, you say to somebody, right, just take a minute and look at all the decisions you have made up to this point in your life. <laughs> like. Yeah. Exactly. You can make decisions. You might not have the answer to the questions you've got right here and now. Yeah. <laughs> but they will come. You will figure yeah. it out and you will make a decision and you are more than capable of, of doing that. And it's just, like you say, acknowledging what you've done so far um, yeah. and, and sort of going, yeah, okay, yeah, do you, okay. Do you know what? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of doing all right, actually. Yeah, rather than being so hard on yourself, isn't it, as well? And thinking about yourself, it's quite hard, isn't it? You don't, you don't want to put yourself first, but you have to. Yeah. And it's, it's learning that as well, isn't it? It's understanding that you need to, mm. to be able yeah. to function and, and yeah. live, you know, get on with things. You have to. It's not selfish. It's a necessity, isn't it? You've got to oh, 100%. think about yourself. Yeah, you, yeah, it is an absolute necessity if you're going to find a way through this. You know, it's really turning the focus onto you and thinking about who you, you know who you are and, and what your needs are and, and what the kind thing to do is and to, to slow down and to give yourself yeah. some some grace and and to be patient and it doesn't come naturally it really doesn't it's, you know no. especially you know even a, a mum a, a wife worker all, all that kind of stuff you know you're always giving you're always thinking about everyone else and actually in this situation you kind of got to go to think about me now because there's no one else to do that um yeah and and i've (laughs) i've got to to just play that role and and i think that really helps us learn to like us who we are again you know and and value ourselves a little bit which again isn't something that we're we're quite so good at but really looking forward to seeing the the next edition Um, the next project come to life, Carolyn. I think that'll Thank be you. fantastic. And and obviously you're in my widowed and rising groups as, as well. Yes. So people can can find you there and you, you know, every now and then none of you put a link up to it yeah. just to let people know it's there. But like I say, your your contact details are in the show notes. Um so so people yeah. can can have a look there and, and reach out and, and grab themselves one of these wonderful journals to support themselves thank through you. their journey so thank you carolyn thank you for stepping out your comfort zone <laughs> i hope it wasn't too painful for you 
Uh, thank you for inviting me. That's yeah, quite honoured considering some of the guests you have. Oh, <laughs> it's my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Carolyn. Thank you so much for listening to the Widow Podcast with me, Karen Sutton. If you would like to be part of a supportive community of people who understand your grief, come and join my free Facebook group, Widowed and Rising. And make sure you tune in to the next episode of the Widow Podcast.